Warning, this podcast frequently contains disturbing and graphic content. User discretion is highly advised. Hello again, Nightmare Society. A big welcome to our newest official member of the Nightmare Society online campfire, Kathy B. Welcome, Kathy, and thanks so much for your support. We very much appreciate it. Also, a big thanks to user Valerie and Jedi, user CMVR2256, and user Rep143 for sharing their stories with us tonight. These are some of my favorite types of stories, ones that take place in the woods, where you're totally vulnerable, where anything and anyone can get you, where often the only thing that separates you from them is a thin stretch of polyester tent fabric, where no one can hear you scream for help. Now, get comfy. And prepare yourself for another episode of The Nightmare Society. I was camping in the middle of nowhere in Washington, near Mount Rainier. Like, not an official campground, just way out in the forest where I wouldn't have expected another human for miles. One night, I wake up and hear something. Open my tent, and there's a guy sitting by where my fire had been, right outside my tent. Nothing particularly noteworthy about the guy. Just a fairly regular-looking guy sitting there a couple of feet from my tent. No bag or pack or anything with him. Just a guy. He saw me open the tent. His eyes got huge like he had just seen a ghost. And then he took off. It shook me up pretty bad, but over the next day I managed to put it out of my mind fairly well. After writing it off as just some odd occurrence. And a guy that was probably high or something and had somehow managed to set up camp coincidentally not far from mine. Then two days after that, and 10 to 15 miles away, in totally random directions that nobody could take the same path as on accident, I was sitting by the fire that night and started hearing noises that the more and more I heard them, the more I became convinced they were actually a person and not an animal. I called out to them, and out of the darkness, someone was like, Do you know how to get to Bell's Canyon? I replied, No. I don't even think that's a real place there. They kept talking just from out of my line of vision. I tried to see them with my flashlight, but they yelled, Aim that light away. And that kind of spooked me. And not wanting to piss off a potentially crazy person, I did. After like 15 minutes of me being very freaked out and them talking and asking completely random questions from the darkness, it sounded like the voice had gotten closer. So I shined my light that way again, and it was the same dude who had been outside my tent two nights before. He had to have followed me almost 15 miles over two days, 
because there's no way he could have just accidentally wound up in the same spot as vast as that wilderness is. No possible way. As soon as my light hit him, he took off again. I started to chase him, but I didn't want to get lost in the wilderness in the dark, so I stopped quickly after, probably only about 100 to 200 feet. This one could not be written off, because the only way he could have been in both places is specifically if he was following me. I had decided the trip was very over first thing in the morning and hiked back out over three days, constantly doubling back, trying to throw anyone off following my trail, and occasionally hiding and waiting to see if he would come by following me. I really can't describe how terrifying it was to feel like I was being hunted through the woods, and to actually have to brainstorm on things I could do to best avoid being potentially murdered. On the first night of hiking out, Twice I heard what sounded like a person walking circles outside my tent, but by the time I mustered up the courage to look, no one was there. On the second night I heard what I thought was an animal making noises at first in the distance, but slowly decided it sounded more like a human making animal calls, but could have actually been an animal, but I didn't actually see the guy again. It really did sound like a person making howling noises though. I literally almost cried when I finally got back to the car. The relief was so strong. To this day, probably the most terrifying experience I've ever had. I have no idea who the guy was or what his intentions were, and no way of getting an explanation. But I really can't articulate just what a terrifying few days it was. This happened when I was about 12, and my brother was 26 at the time. My brother had been serving in the US Army for several years when this happened, and was deploying to the Middle East on his second deployment if I remember correctly. Also of note was that he was a Green Beret, and had recently, three or four months prior to this trip, completed the Army Special Forces Qualification Course. Robin Sage and all that, and by then was an active duty SF engineer sergeant. Definitely not someone you'd want to screw around with. Given that we both grew up with a passion for the outdoors, he thought it would be nice to take me on a backpacking trip in northern Alabama, the Sipsi Wilderness for those familiar with the area, before he left for the next nine months. The trip had gone smoothly up until the third night while we were camping out. Around 8pm we had our camp set up, eating dinner and were sitting by the fire talking about typical boy stuff, guns, girls, etc. For some reference our spot was about 50 yards from a large stream and about 50 yards downhill adjacent to the large path. Our camp, the stream, and the path formed a triangle of sorts. This was summertime in Alabama, so it wasn't quite dark yet when two guys who looked to be in their late 20s wandered up and asked if we had seen any hogs while we were hiking around. Given that this is rural Alabama, 
we actually had seen some further into the wilderness area and told them so. Even though they were relatively polite, my brother called them good old boys. I got a seriously creepy vibe from them. Dirty clothes, greasy hair, scraggly facial hair, etc. I think they probably looked like they belonged in the movie Deliverance. They kind of hung out for a few minutes, maybe a little longer than they should have, looking around asking us questions. Like how long had we been out there? How long were we staying? And what looked like them kind of sizing us up? They then abruptly said goodbye and walked away. I didn't necessarily feel threatened by them, and I know for sure my brother didn't, but I still felt uneasy about the whole thing. Fast forward three or four hours. My brother and I had gone to sleep and were nestled in our tent when I woke to the sound of multiple dogs barking. I have always been a heavy sleeper, and they sounded like they were only about a hundred yards away. My heart immediately started pounding and I kicked my brother through my sleeping bag and asked if he was awake or had heard the dogs. He responded, I'm awake. They've been getting closer to us for the past hour or so. Just lay still and don't make any sounds. Needless to say, 12-year-old me was about to crap my pants. We would also hear sporadic shouts from several different sources, but neither came any closer. A few minutes later, my brother whispered, They're just hunting for hogs. They use the dogs to pin them down and then they shoot them. This gave me some relief, but not much. Somehow I managed to fall back asleep. The fact that they were doing this at night was a huge red flag my brother had later told me, but I think he was just trying to keep calm. Fast forward what was probably another three hours around 2 a.m. I had managed to sleep pretty well after first hearing the hog hunters when I woke up to my brother squeezing my shoulder firmly, saying, Wake up, put your shoes on quick and follow me. Be as quiet as you can. My heart immediately went back to racing because I heard the dogs and voices in the distance, further away than before, but still distinct. Not asking any questions, I did what he said, and as soon as we were out of the tent, he told me to get on his back. This was a breeze for him after rucking with God knows how much weight in the army. We snuck about 50 yards into the woods towards the junction of the path and the stream, and crawled into some bushes. It was up a hill, so we had a pretty good elevated view of our campsite. I remember as we were laying there how loudly I was breathing and how quiet he was when I heard the very distinct sound of a pistol slide racking. I looked over and my brother had his pistol, an HK USP that he gave to me a few years after this story took place, and was watching the campsite and surrounding area. I started to whisper to him when he put his hand over my mouth and pointed to the campsite. The group of hunters had been steadily approaching our camp by this time, by 30 or so minutes and had reached it. There were five of them and like three or four dogs. They all looked relatively young but two had either rifles or shotguns and the dogs were going crazy, obviously having smelled our scent. For those of you who are backpackers or campers, 
Nobody who comes up on a random camp in the middle of the night with dogs and guns has good intentions. I knew this, and my brother knew this. I was scared to death. I couldn't make out what they were saying, but my brother later told me they were talking about us, although he hadn't heard any specifics either. They lingered for about 20 minutes, shining flashlights around and talking to themselves, when my brother put his mouth to my ear and said, If they come towards us, I want you to run, and run as quickly as you can. Don't stop, don't look back. Stay off the trail and look for the flashing lights. I didn't know what he meant by this, but that'll come later. I knew I could make it back because he had taught me land navigation pretty well. He then handed me a flashlight and told me not to take the red filter off. He told me later that the red filter helps preserve night vision and cuts down on ambient light, so it would be harder for someone to see from a distance. At this point I was so scared I almost started crying, but at the same time had a rush of adrenaline and what I think now was confidence that he thought I could handle myself. We laid there for a while longer when out of nowhere they started screaming, Where are y'all at? And firing into the woods at random. My brother dragged me back behind the crest of the hill and threw himself on top of me. Thankfully our position on top of the hill we were protected from any gunfire. They shot maybe five or six more times and then started walking back the direction they had come. They got maybe 100 yards away when I heard a blaring siren and saw emergency lights flashing through the woods. Turns out my brother had called the forest service office on a satellite phone my family has for emergencies while I was asleep. and They had sent out forest service officers and game wardens to our area of the wilderness. The Sipsi Wilderness is about 25,000 acres in size, so it took them a while to get there on the dirt roads. When we saw the game warden truck, my brother signaled them with the light and pointed them in the direction the hunters had gone, and the guy sped off shining his spotlight through the woods. As soon as they were all gone, we went back to our camp, packed up our stuff, and waited by the path for the game warden to come back who then gave us a ride in his truck bed back to the main staging area. On the drive back, my brother told me how brave I had been. We never got any definitive information on what happened to the rednecks we encountered. I have many friends who have gone out to the Sipsi area and had a great time with no creepy stuff going on. However, it truly is a wilderness area, and law enforcement response, if you can even reach them, would be very slow. I was lucky to have my brother there and that he reacted so quickly. Otherwise, who knows what could have happened. We also got lucky that whatever their intentions were, neither reconsidered or lost interest. I will note that when they left our camp, the game warden showed up pretty soon afterwards, but I didn't see what the guys and their dogs did. If I remember correctly, they headed in a direction parallel to the stream, away from the trail, inaccessible to any kind of vehicle. Maybe the warden continued on and took another trail to try to cut them off. We waited around 30 minutes for him to come back and he said there were other officers out looking. There are only so many paths that you could take a truck or a quad bike down, so any thorough search effort would also have to be done on foot. 
but to those creepy redneck guys in the woods, let's not meet again. I've been camping, solo backpacking, and hunting my whole life in Oregon, and felt comfortable in the woods, and have a deep respect for nature. A few years ago, my wife, daughter, and two German shepherds went camping north of Mount Jefferson. We found the perfect setup for us and our two dogs. We need the privacy since they are too intimidating to other dog owners and can be loud when spooked. They are German Shepherds. It was not an established campsite, just a nice horseshoe off of a USFS road that had flat ground and was full of trees and a fire pit. The first night my daughter wanted to sleep by herself in a two-man tent right next to ours. It was maybe two feet away from me and my wife's tent. We made the male German Shepherd sleep, Guts is his name, with her in the tent. That whole first night neither my wife or I could sleep. We both heard footsteps and they were heavy, not like typical forest critters scampering around the night. I was well armed because I was paranoid from reading recently before departing about a dad in California who was shot and killed in a tent next to his two infant daughters. Needless to say, both my wife and I had two pistols and my rifle with me. The dogs are great at detection and that's why I felt my daughter could sleep alone, because Guts is completely fearless and nothing would lay a hand on her without a battle to the death. All in all, nothing but bad vibes and loud footsteps occurred that night, which I ultimately decided was a deer or maybe some elk. The next morning, we go for a walk down the road, and maybe 300 feet away, we see this abandoned road where a rusted gate post, the gate was missing, was covered in vegetation. Something of blue color caught my eye and Guts immediately takes off running down this abandoned road. My heart begins to race because I think it's another family camping like us and he's going to get himself shot or scare some innocent people to death. So I chase after him as fast as I can and the rest follow. About 20 feet down the road and with my frantic yelling, he finally stops. By this time I've covered just enough distance to see that there's nobody there, and something is off about the site. I yell, Hello, is anyone there? Sorry about the dog. I got no response. My curiosity gets the best of me and I have to see what the site conditions were. As I get closer I know something is wrong. It had all the necessities for a campsite, including a cooler, propane burner, tent, blankets, folding table, but every single item had been completely destroyed, smashed and torn from what appeared to be claw marks. We walked around in circles, puzzled why anyone would leave all their camping gear behind, including an expensive REI tent. I figure, well, someone left in a hurry and animals got to the rest as the only logical explanation. Still, a propane tank and cooler were flattened by something, and it certainly wasn't snow packed with tree coverage in that spot. 
As the afternoon rolls in, me and my daughter are playing bocce ball at the campsite. My wife goes walking about maybe 70 feet north to do her business. I do not have a direct line of sight on her, but all of a sudden I see Guts making a mad dash straight towards her. Normally he would always be with me unless he's called over and she did not call for him. His speed and focus caught my attention and I knew something weird was happening. So I ran over there and my wife starts jogging at me and I immediately draw my pistol. Guts has completely continued running into the forest another hundred feet before I call him and he stops. My other dog Leah, who never misses the opportunity to be the pack leader, is not taking point. I've had her now for seven years and this was the first time in her life she refused to leave my daughter's side. Her hair was fully raised and she was attached to us at the hip. Again, anytime we hike or play, Leah is up front bossing everything in her path. She'll pause to look and see where we are and then continues. I asked my wife what happened and she said she was trying to use the restroom and all of a sudden she felt all her hairs raise and that she knew someone was watching her and then saw Guts running towards her so she rushed back towards the campsite. We spent 10 minutes looking for signs of anything and saw no trails, broken branches, nothing to point to what and where something went. We decide we're spending one more night since it's too late to pack up and drive, but we'll all be in the big tent together. Before we go to bed, I put a rope with a makeshift coin alarm around the perimeter of our campsite. I used a mint can and some coins and keys from our truck and zip-tied it so anything hitting the rope gave it a little jingle. Very unsophisticated, but it put my wife at ease. As I go to tie my last corner off at a tree near our tent, our third mystery item unveils itself. It looks like someone has done the exact same thing I've done, with a rope that was so old and brown I didn't see it at first. It was broken and only a few pieces remained, but sure enough it was tied at roughly the same height, 8 to 10 inches off the ground, and even had a few rusted washers on it. I immediately felt someone has stayed here before and put the same makeshift warning system up on the same tree I'm at, maybe 10-15 years ago, based on the condition of the rope. Perhaps my paranoia has now reached a new height, but I had to make sure the girls felt we are safe, and at the time the only thing I could think of was when the evening came around, I made them sit in the truck, and I fired a clip from my 45 into the dirt as a signal to whatever was out there that we are armed. I reassured the girls that anybody listening to that now knows we have two wolves and are armed and we are too risky of a target so we can sleep safely. That night we heard no footsteps and the dogs never perked up and barked. We left early the next morning. Fast forward to today and I watched the Amazon Missing 411 hunted documentary and I noticed the cluster smack dab in the middle close to where we camped that weekend and a flood of dread rushes me as I think of that mysterious abandoned campsite with the ripped tent and smashed cooler and cooktop. We've been camping since and have enjoyed the beauty of the northwest but there was something there at that place that possibly took or harmed someone else less than 300 feet away from where we camped. 
We all think our lucky star's guts was doing his thing so well that afternoon. Thanks so much for listening, and until next time. Sweet dreams.